our faith will not be tested when everything is going fine. Uh, my faith and your faith will be tested in the most difficult time. His colleague came to our house and told us that my husband, who was in a car, well, at, the point, at that point we thought it was a car accident, but um, later found out he was killed. Um, I'd just gotten home from work, and uh, my grandfather called me and said that mom and dad had been killed in Uganda. And I wanted the people that did the shooting to know that Jesus is different. I felt the Holy Spirit came, and I gave my heart to Christ. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome back to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton. Thank you for taking time this week to be with us. Happy New Year. I hope 2024 is a year filled with blessing for you. Last week, we began listening back to some of the most moving moments on Voice of the Martyrs Radio in 2023. If you missed it, I hope you'll go and listen to that entire episode at vomradio.net, or you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. These episodes are also an excellent way to share the ministry of VOM Radio with a friend. You can find a link at vomradio.net. Your Christian friend will get a great overview of the kinds of things that we talk about every week at VOM Radio, the amazing heroes of the faith that we get to meet. Let's begin this week by focusing on family relationships. You know, in many cultures, it is often the family that is the first source of persecution when a family member comes to know Jesus. Brother Maxud told us a moving story about coming to know Jesus as a young man, along with his brother. For years, he was afraid to tell his parents for fear of reprisals. He'll never forget the moment when his mom found out that Maxud and his brother were Christians. She forced the boys to confess to their father the thing they were most dreading. And then she said, these two guys came to me and said that they're Christian, they're a follower of Jesus. And there were kind of minute of silence. And my mother started bargaining about, they're become bad. They, they decided to, to be um, Christian people. Now, what will they look like? Nobody will marry them. Nobody will, uh, nobody will come to our house. Everybody will deny us. And all blah, blah, blah. My father, in the end, he looked at my mom and said, be quiet. I'm tired to listen to you. And then he turned to us and said, guys, you decide to follow Jesus? I was scaring and say, yes. I'm a, I would like to be a follower of Jesus. Look to him, my younger brother, you too? He said, yes. And he said, come on to me. And I came to him and he hugged me. And he said, thanks to God. And he said, two years ago, I gave my life to Christ. Wow. That was a moment. That was a big moment because my father, I, I see him change. I see him change a lot. I didn't know what's going with him, but he was full of love and joy. Last two, three years, he said, I gave my life two years ago, and I, 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 I didn't know how to tell you, but I was praying for you guys. 
Wow. And I will tell you, 99% of my people have known this story. They have opposite story. Mm-hmm. They were beaten. They were thrown away from a house. They had tons of problems. But in my case, not. But then my father says something that it was really touched me. He said, my dear son, I can't be minister of Jesus because his background, you know, he was a communist and then he became an Islamic and then he, he have story back there. But he said, that's my prayer for you and your brother and your brothers. Be a servant of Jesus. Serve to him. Love him. Follow him. He is the way, truth, and life. And that moment, I feel really support. But I knew that it will cost for me outside. Right. Or outside cost, I will feel all of them. But at least here, I have peace. Here, I was received. We're talking this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Maxud. He is from Central Asia. What about your mom? Did, did, did she come around? My mom became believers after 10 years. She received Jesus. And today, she's more stronger than even my father that days because she has daily relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm calling her to say, how are you, mom? Uh, love you. Sorry that I'm so far. I cannot visit you. She said, don't worry about us. Jesus is with us. This is the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We're remembering some of the most moving moments from 2023 here on VOM Radio. One of those moving moments came from a pastor in Gaza. Pastor Hannah had been up late on a Saturday night working on his sermon for the next day. He was burdened that his co-worker, Rami, had been kidnapped. And I remember a couple of hours after that, uh, just uh, I heard somebody above my head screaming, crying, shouting, and it was my wife. Um, She tried to wake me up because she just received the call that they found Mm -hmm. the body. You know, I jumped from my bed, didn't know what to do, where to go, and what we're going to tell Pauline as a young widow. So as you could imagine, it was a tough times. In that time, you know, the Lord continued to teach us um, to trust him and to walk uh, and continue this journey of faith and journey of life. And uh, our life after that never been the same. But it's an honor he really gave us uh, to know Rami, to love him and to serve. He has wonderful heart. He loved the Lord and his dedication uh, to the Lord and to his family and to, to the community and uh, his kindness and his love uh, for all people. Um, it's uh, wonderful memories in spite of the pain and the suffering. In, in that season of, you know, the bombings and then Rami's murder and then leaving, how did the Lord minister to you and kind of sustain you through that period? Um, you know, we become who we are and continue to grow because of the honor and the privilege really the Lord allow us to go through. And I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the, the thought that you call it a privilege. It was a privilege to go through that time. Can you un- unpack that? I mean, most of us would say, no, that wasn't a privilege. That was dangerous. That was a threat. That was a, a terrible situation. You say privilege. Why? Yeah, and that's an honor. Um, that uh, Because really the desire of our heart to live for the one who gave his life. 
and Jesus, um, the sinless, um, the loving Savior and Lord, give his life for us. And really that the Lord sustain and the Lord help us through the things he taught us, you know, at the darkest hour of our life. Our faith will not be tested when everything is going fine. Uh, my faith and your faith will be tested in the most difficult time of our life. And this is what James 1, chapter 1, verse 2, when he say, Consider it all joy, loved one, when you throw, go through different kind of trials. But then he say the testing of your faith. And the word testing in the time of James, uh, it used to examine the coin at that time, if it's genuine or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the time uh, when my faith and your faith will be tested um, in the most difficult time of our life. And uh, either, you know, we use it in a way pleasing to the Lord and bring glory and honor to his name. Or if we missed it, you know, we have to repeat it and uh, to learn again what the Lord really wants to teach us. That story from Pastor Hannah reminds us when a Christian is persecuted— Often, he or she is not the only one to suffer. When someone is killed for sharing the gospel, their family is left behind. Their suffering continues. That's what happened to Sister Jane. From a young age, she wanted to go overseas to tell people about Jesus. Her husband shared that mission, and they lived and served in the Middle East for several years. A friend had contacted me saying something had happened to a foreigner. And they weren't sure who it was, but that they couldn't get a hold of my husband. It was maybe about 30 minutes later that uh, his colleague came to our house and told us that my husband, who was in a car, well, at at that point we thought it was a car accident, but um, later found out he was killed. Definitely I wanted to go see the body and pray that Jesus would raise him from the dead. And that's what we did. (laughs) Maybe about an hour and a half later, we were able to do that. We prayed over him and asked that the Lord would raise him from the dead. Um, And maybe just about 15 minutes or 20 minutes that we prayed. And then, you know, we we prayed one last time and said, okay, we're going to accept whatever happens. You know, this is what God has. This sacrifice was not in vain. There, there has been very definite and very positive things that have happened uh, for the kingdom because of it. Yeah, we've heard different stories of different ones who have come to faith after realizing that he had come to this country and ultimately gave up his life for the things that he believed. It caused different ones to take a closer look at the principles and the faith that he had. And the Holy Spirit definitely was touching different ones and speaking to them. And I like to give the illustration of like a catapult. I feel like I could have lived and worked in that country my whole life and not seen the fruit that we're seeing now and that God used my husband's death to kind of catapult his plans and purposes for that nation and for the people there. I believe that all of the people who have died for their faith, not only in that country, but in that area of the world, that that God uses those things. He takes anything and everything that we can give him, and he redeems it and uses it in the best way possible, even though it wouldn't be the way we would choose. You know, his ways are not our ways. But it's amazing to see how he can use 
what we have to offer him. That Sister Jane, her husband was martyred while sharing the gospel in the Middle East. Instead of focusing on herself and her grief and her loss, Jane is focused on how her loss is contributing to God's kingdom. That's also the focus for Susanna Geski. Her husband, Tilman, was killed while spreading the gospel in Turkey. The young murderers were arrested, and Susanna suddenly received public attention. She was still in shock and grief, but she asked the Lord how he wanted to use the situation. And then there was uh, the doorbell rang, and the media people came and said they want to talk to me. And so I sat there and prayed a really quick prayer, asking the Lord, what can I say? Because he promised to give us the words we should mm-hmm. say. It's like the Lord spoke to me. Forgive them because they don't know what they've done. And I was like, oh, that was what Jesus said on the cross. So I was like, okay, if he wants for me to do this, I will do this. But this was just really obeying the words of the Lord, just obeying what he said to me. But because of this, afterwards, lots of people came to interview. And so I just said that I really forgave because Jesus forgave me, because Jesus died on the cross for me, and he forgave my sins. And then after he died on the cross, he rose again, and this is why we can have life. And then I remember the guy looked at me and said, huh, can you explain it a bit better? So this kind of opportunities really happen. It seems almost impossible that someone could go on national television and publicly forgive the men who murdered her husband. But with God, all things are possible, so much so that we actually aired two stories in 2023 about women doing exactly that. Ronnie and Anita Smith moved with their infant son to Benghazi in the days after the attack on the U.S. consulate in Libya. Ronnie was a school teacher, much loved by his students, but he was shot and killed by a group of men unhappy that he was in Libya in the name of Jesus. Here's Anita. We wanted our lives really to glorify Jesus. And I do remember Ronnie saying before that if he could only have one person turn to Jesus with his life, that it would have been worth it. And... I wanted the people that did the shooting to know that Jesus is different. Jesus is a God that loves people who make mistakes and who do crime. And it's not okay what they did at all. That doesn't mean that they're freed from the consequences of it, but that Jesus teaches us to love our enemies. And that's what causes people to come to know Jesus and to come to know what the gospel is. And I just really wanted them to know this is a horrific thing that you've done, but look at the extravagant thing that Jesus has done. That conversation with Anita Smith was recorded at the Hearts of Fire virtual event hosted by the Voice of the Martyrs. At that event, we met four women who have paid a very high price for sharing their faith. You can still sign up to watch that event yourself or with a group at your church. We'll give you more details in the show notes for this week's episode at vomradio.net. You're listening to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We are returning to some of the most moving moments of 2023. And we just heard the stories of two women whose husbands were martyred for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, children can also be at risk of loss 
when their parents follow God's call. Mom and dad had always wanted to be in a more rural type setting. This is Saul Pett. And so they eventually got connected with a group called Here Is Life in Uganda. That group ran a school. So my parents went there to help them learn what sustainable farming looked like. Um, I'd just gotten home from work and uh, my grandfather called me and said that mom and dad had been killed in Uganda. I went outside, told God I was done talking to him forever. So I wasn't going to speak to him no more until he could give me a good reason why all this would happen. Here's Ezra Pett. Like Saul, I had all kinds of anger. I didn't know where all my anger was from. I put God on the back burner for many years. So this, this frustrated, angry kid who didn't call me very often, he calls me one day and he says, so, hey, I'm thinking... I'm going to go to Uganda and we're going to, I'm going to do wells. The Oringa people needed clean water. And that's what made me get excited because it's, I've been in the water industry my entire adult life. So that's how the whole trip started. When my brother said, Hey, you want to go with me to Uganda? And I went, no, sure. When are we leaving? He went there to build wells. I went there to build a relationship with my brother. I was an angry, angry Christian. And then you get there and you start to meet these people. You don't have a choice but to stop being angry. They had so much love for our parents and they had so much pain that they had dealt with by themselves with no support. The stories they told and the love they had and the joy that was in them and just every day, just it was extraordinary to be part of. And the, the, the love that they have for us, never having met us before was extraordinary to me. After going on this trip and meeting these people that I was angry with, and like Saul said, there was no way you could be angry anymore. Everything was lifted. I came home, my wife asked who I was. She's like, I'm just gonna take a little bit getting used to this uh, person that's smiling all the time and not angry. And I, it was a joy of things that I had lifted from uh, pain that had finally been erased for the most part, but also having that joy of God too. You're listening to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. I'm Todd Nettleton looking back with you over 2023, remembering some of the most moving moments on this program. Let's turn to Iran. We had a guest named Mansour who grew up in the Islamic Republic of Iran. As a young man, he was so opposed to the message of the Bible, he actually planned to burn down a church. As he tried carrying out his plan, though, he got to know a pastor, and they ended up spending three months talking about faith and spiritual things and eternity. Finally, Mansour's eyes were opened, and he came to faith in Christ. I went to a question and answer with the pastor. I sat down and asked him several questions. He said, I'll answer one question today. Come next Sunday for next question. He dragged me into the church for three months. We had three French Catholic missionaries. We called them Schusters, little sisters. These three ladies were coming to the Presbyterian church. One of the ladies, one of these Schusters, was carrying a tray with plates, the other person a cup of tea, and the other person a piece of pastry. These elderly foreign ladies were serving the local young people of Iran. It rejects everything that I've been trained. In my culture, the younger serves the older. 
The locals served the foreigners. It was the vice versa that helped me to constantly watch them. Right in the middle of a long time of prayer, they were humming one of the hymns without using their words. They were just humming the music. I felt the Holy Spirit came upon me and I closed my eyes. And as soon as I closed my eyes, in the middle of their humming, I started praying loudly with a loud voice and I gave my heart to Christ. Long story, but God's a story. That's Brother Mansour who grew up in Iran and wanted to burn down a church. Now his life has been transformed and he and his wife love the Bible. They want to share it with others, especially Iranian people. Dr. Hormo Shariat has seen countless stories of people in Iran coming to faith in Jesus. He uses media to speak to the people of Iran every single day. Some of our leaders take taxis. So we share the gospel with, with the passengers and taxi drivers. And they say many times the taxi driver is already Christian. So the, like the other day, I, I sat in a taxi. I was just thinking how to start sharing the gospel with him. And he boldly comes and says, are you a Christian? I'm a Christian. Let me tell you. I mean, so how come you're so bold? You're taking so many passengers. If one of the passengers turn you in, you will be, you'll be in trouble. He said, well, I have been turned in a couple of times the last year. So what do you do? How come you're out? How come you're uh, driving taxi? And taxi driver said this story. He said, yes, last year I was dying of cancer. Uh, very advanced stage, and my doctor sent me home. I was dying, and I had asked the Islamic leaders to pray for me, Islamic saints to pray, so I get healed. I didn't. I was dying, and then one night, Jesus came to my dream and said, my son, you are healed. And he said, I I got up. I saw Jesus full of light, and he says, my son. I went to the doctor. He said, you're healed. You're healed of your cancer. cancer. So Taxi driver said, this is what I do. Every passenger I say, I tell them about Jesus, how Jesus healed me. When they arrest me, I have an answer. So they won't put me in jail. So what is your answer? How come you're not in jail? When they arrest me, which I have done a couple of times, I tell them, you know, it wasn't my fault that Jesus came to my dream. He came. It's his fault. I didn't ask. He just came and he healed me. And now I'm just telling people that Jesus came to my dream and healed. I'm not telling the lies. I'm just telling what happened to me. And if you have a problem, just go talk to Jesus. It's not my fault. (laughs) Earlier this year, we heard another story from the Middle East about a gospel worker who had been kidnapped. When I interviewed John Samara, his heart was heavy because his colleague right then was being held by a terrorist group. We definitely want to seek the voices of the body of Christ to pray for uh, our brother, his young man. Uh, recently uh, been serving and uh, and just gone through the ordination process and serving as a pastor. His heart was just to take the gospel and build the church. And God was doing something unique, people coming to know Jesus Christ. And he was taken, um, kidnapped, and threatened to be hanged. Also, the church has been threatened to be destroyed by that specific group. They're just newly married a couple, two years ago, and... They have a child, a baby in their hand, faithful servant to the Lord. Uh, his heart is to invest in the church so that, to make disciple. And as God's been using him, uh, the message, Christ love that people group. And the message that goes out, Christ is not your enemy. Christ love you. We love you. 
I'm so happy to report that God answered our prayers. That gospel worker was rescued. Actually, he was rescued even before we aired that program. He says he held on to several verses during the three weeks that he was held. Those verses included Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This is the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. I'm Todd Nettleton. We're looking back over 2023 and remembering some of the most moving moments that God has allowed us to share this year. You're just getting snippets of these programs today. If you want to hear the entire episode, the entire conversation, visit our website, vomradio.net, or find Voice of the Martyrs Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. Susie Childers was trained as a photographer. She now uses that experience and those skills to connect with women in countries around the world. Susie is a gospel worker with YWAM, Youth with a Mission. As she prepared to visit Nigeria not long ago, she felt the Lord leading her to collect used jewelry from friends to take with her on the trip. So you have the north that is uh, predominantly now Islamic by force, really, and you have the south that's more Christian, so it's safer. We're bringing widows and orphans down from the north. And you need to understand these women have nothing. They come with nothing. They have often only the clothes on their bodies. Um, They have um, been displaced. Their villages are unlivable. Their husbands are dead. They lived in the bushes. So um, I remember I listened to the first widow sharing her heart. I wept. Um, And then I did listen to the second one. And she stopped in the middle of her story and broke down and couldn't talk anymore because the story was too fresh. It was only a few uh, months ago. And so she cried and I just hugged her and we cried together because there was nothing I could do. The Lord reminded me of this jewelry and I suddenly knew what I had to do. So I got up and I I, I took a little bracelet, just, just grabbed one thing, and I put it on her arm and I said to her, I want you to know that Jesus has not forgotten you. I want you to, I, I, I give you this jewelry to remind you that you are precious in the eyes of God and that uh, God is with you every day of your life. I had a few rings too. That was even more powerful. I gave it to them and I put it on their fingers and I said, now as your husband has died, Jesus wants to be your husband. And I want you to remember that by wearing this jewelry. And it was a, a powerful moment for both of us. I mean, those women, they looked at me in, in unbelief, right? It was such a, a deep moment where God really, I felt like he was getting through to the very heart of hearts. But it was also a, a powerful moment for me, you know, seeing how, how God was using a little act of kindness to touch those women's hearts and, and heal something that maybe words couldn't touch. That's Susie Childers from YWAM. She has discovered the joy of finding hurting women, reminding them that they have dignity, and telling their stories. At The Voice of the Martyrs, we share a passion for giving a voice to our persecuted brothers and sisters. That's why we seek out persecuted believers. We often go to them, we remind them that they're not alone, and then we share their stories with you to encourage you to help you pray for them. I was so grateful this year we could record an interview with a pastor from the People's Republic of China. We just called him Brother Infu, which means blessing in Chinese. We talked about how his church can continue to function, even as the restrictions against the church in China 
have grown tighter and tighter. Brother Enfu, you mentioned the seminary. Talk to me a little bit about that training process, because you've mentioned what you're doing is illegal. So this is not a above-ground seminary. This is an underground seminary. It is illegal. How do you gather people together? How long is the process? I assume they have jobs while they're doing this. So how do they balance work and, and studies? Just kind of talk through how the seminary process works. Yes. Seminary used to be where American professors, they can come and visit and teach. It has become very difficult for them to come to China to train. So now the Chinese have to train up the people. So in, like in our seminary, we focus a lot on just raising up men so that they can train up other men. And I, I you know, thought this is another prayer. We hope that the Chinese, especially Chinese students that, that came over to America to attend seminary, to be educated, they have a desire to be educated in theology, in the Bible, in ministry, and to return home to China to serve. But after they come to America, they touch the ground, the soil in America. They breathe the air in America. They eat the hamburgers. They don't go back. But the calling, the burden was the house church, but they don't go back anymore. Pray that they go back. Because right now we need Chinese men from mainland China who went to study in America, educated in Greek and Hebrew, systematic theology, the Bible and ministry, to go back to the house church. Not just the comfortable life and white picket fences and, and, and maybe a little bit more comfortable life, but that's where the action is. That's where ministry is. That's where souls are lost, souls are going to hell, and there's no one to disciple. So this man, I taught, I want to speak to this Chinese, uh, those who have gone to seminary, go back and train the men. You know the language. You know the culture. Don't stay in America. Go where the action is. It is a rewarding ministry. That's Brother Enfu, who has continued to stay in China and serve his congregation, even as the government there has made it harder and harder to function as a church. Pastor Pan and his church sensed the Lord calling them in a different direction. Instead of staying in China, they decided to seek asylum and all flee China together as one church body. We aired this interview in March while his congregation was in Thailand seeking asylum status. Uh, Chinese Christians knows that they have to pay price for, the, for their religion. Maybe that's because that everything costs something in China. What's going on with the legal process and how can we pray for the next steps? We was welcomed by the Korean church and they treated us very well. Uh, the Korean government was kind to us but didn't have a law for uh, Christians. Yeah. For religious refugees, yeah. 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 So we came to Thailand to reply, reply a refugee to the UNHCR. So we think that it's the best way we can do. And we know that the way they treat us, the UNHCR, they, they are kind and they are helping us 
our case has been updated and was noticing by the uh, UNHCR. Yeah, because of the publicity. I think so. After they give us a uh, refugee status, then we'll face the asylum problem. Yeah, so yeah. resettlement. Yeah, resettlement. There are thousands of refugees stays in Thailand for waiting for asylum, and there are only one percent of them can be resettled every year. We still don't know that when we can be resettled. It could be weeks. It could be years. I mean, there really is. You have no way of knowing how long it could be. Yes, we have friends in America, Tyler, Texas, and they they always tells the American government that they have prepared for us, just waiting for us to go there. That's Pastor Pan from the Mayflower Church. When we recorded that interview, Pastor Pan and his congregation didn't know what their future looked like. In fact, uh, they were thinking it could be up to five years that they were kind of in limbo waiting for asylum. And there was a lot of fear that they could even be sent back to China. I'm happy to let you know that on Good Friday 2023, this congregation arrived in the United States. They are settled among supporters in Texas. As we're looking back on meaningful moments of 2023, I think that's a real highlight. This congregation launched out in faith, seeking the opportunity to worship, and the Lord orchestrated it so that they can now serve Him together in freedom. I know many VOM Radio listeners heard about that story and prayed Because I know every single week we have listeners who are writing down the prayer requests we share. They are going to the Lord in prayer on behalf of our persecuted brothers and sisters. We want to help you do that even more effectively in 2024 with a copy of the Voice of the Martyrs 2024 prayer calendar. When you make a gift of any amount to support the work of the Voice of the Martyrs, we will send you a 2024 prayer calendar as our thank you for your gift. Your gift is going to help VOM continue to serve persecuted Christians around the world. The prayer calendar is going to help you pray for persecuted Christians every single day in 2024. Just visit vomradio.net. You can make your donation online. When you make it before the end of December, we will send you that 2024 prayer calendar. vomradio.net is also where you can hear all the conversations that we have featured today We have been highlighting some of the most moving moments from 2023, but obviously we couldn't fit in everything. So when you visit vomradio.net, you can explore all of the archives. You can hear more from all of the guests that we've heard little snippets from today. You can also find Voice of the Martyrs Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. As we finish out another year of VOM Radio, I want to just take a moment and say thank you to some of the people who work tirelessly behind the scenes every single week to get these episodes to you. Our international ministry staff is absolutely key to helping me find guests and find stories. I am so thankful for their work. And I want to give a special shout out to those who've helped me put together overseas trips this year to record some of the amazing conversations that you've heard from our times on the road, meeting face-to-face with persecuted Christians. Andrew helps run the soundboard for almost all of the interviews you hear that are recorded here in Bartlesville. He's also a key part of creating the file for YouTube each week. If you didn't know, you can find Voice of the Martyrs Radio on YouTube as well. Andrew and Luke and Craig work on the images that go up on the website and are attached to each podcast episode. 
Georgiana transcribes each episode, and Danielle checks that the transcribed file is matched up right with the captions for the YouTube videos. Megan helps us promote VOM Radio through VOM social media channels. If you're not following Voice of the Martyrs on Facebook and Instagram, please do so. Whitney drafts the episode summaries and monitors the email inbox in addition to helping me schedule interviews uh, and the, the very famous other duties as assigned. Whitney is a very cheerful helper to me, and I'm thankful. Hugh edits the shows, including scripting the opens and the closes every week. I am so thankful that he shares his gifts with the Voice of the Martyrs. VOM's president, Cole Richards, has been so supportive of VOM Radio from the very first day. There are also many others here at VOM. They're paying the bills and writing the magazine articles and creating the resources and processing your donations and keeping the heat on in the winter and the air conditioning in the summer. It's my voice that you hear every week, but there's a lot of other people that make VOM Radio and, more importantly, VOM's ministry to persecuted Christians possible. And as we finish out another year, I just want to publicly say thank you to each and every one of them. And I want to say thank you to you, our listeners. Thank you for your emails. Thank you for listening. Thank you for praying for persecuted Christians throughout 2023. And we have a lot to look forward to in 2024, including the 10-year anniversary of The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We're going to look ahead to a new year with VOM's Vice President for International Ministry, Aaron Miller, next week here on VOM Radio, including a conversation about how VOM is responding to rising persecution across the African continent. Be ready to be encouraged. Be ready to start praying for persecuted Christians in 2024. And be back with us right here next week on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.